Hey everybody, this is Ruben, and you're listening to Amazing Stories. Mr. Butterfield, you were Mr. Haldeman's chief administrative aide. Uh, yes, Senator. I'm looking at a letter from the President's counsel, Mr. Buzzhart, on the April 15th meeting between Dean and the President. It seems very detailed. Is Mr. Nixon's recollection of meetings good? Uh, yes, he's a great and fast learner. He does recall things very well. Were his memos this detailed? Uh, I don't think so. Well, where else could this, uh, this recollection have come from? I don't know. Well, let me think about that for a while. Do you know of any reason why the President might, as Mr. Dean has testified, take him into a corner of the room and talk quietly? I was hoping you fellows wouldn't ask me that. Um, I've wondered what I would say, what effect it might have on national security. Uh, I suppose I am, in effect, under oath here. That's right. Well, yes, there's a recording system in the White House. How are you today, sir? Uh, no more blood came up, thank God. Good. What do they say? Uh, pneumonia. Rest and quiet, Alan. That's what I need. <laughs> but I'm not better today. I hear Bob Haldeman came by. Yeah, I had a message from uh, from John Conley. Now it's out, burn the tapes on the White House lawn. <laughs> it's an idea. Except it could leave an impression of guilt in the public mind. Well, they're, they're my property. Uh, there's no problem there, Alan. My notes, my record, my achievement. If I'd discussed anything illegal, I, would I have kept the tape? I wouldn't have even had the damn thing running. When you get these CIA people say this will open up the whole Bay of Pigs Cuban invasion plan that JFK had going, don't, don't lie to them to the extent to say no involvement, just to say this is a comedy of errors, this uh, is... Uh, going to open up the whole Bay of Pigs thing up again, and these people should call in the FBI and say, don't go any further into this case, period. Okay, we'll do it. You, you call them in. Good deal. Play it tough. That, that's the way they play it, and that's the way we are going to play it. They're still asking for money. It's continued blackmail. Right. Uh, Hunt and Liddy and the others, it will go on even when they're in prison. It'll cost money. How much money do you need? I would say these people are going to cost a million dollars over the next two years. We could get that. Uh-huh. Uh, on the money, if you need the money, you could get the money. You could get a million dollars and you could get it in cash. I, I know where it could be gotten. If, if, if people turn against me, the, the tapes are my best defense. The Urban Committee will try and subpoena them, sir, to see if they support Dean's testimony. We have to make it clear. Executive privilege, things that could embarrass many people. Matters of state. No. Simply no. No. Whatever. No. And Mr. Haldeman, you are before the committee, and you maintain that... Uh... President Nixon had no knowledge of or involvement in either the Watergate affair or the subsequent efforts of a cover-up. So John Dean is incorrect in his recollection of the March 21st conversation. I have reviewed the tape of that conversation and find it supports my statement totally. Do you find it at all odd, Mr. Haldeman, 
that you, a private citizen, can have access to these tapes while the United States Senate cannot? Tonight, the White House surrounded. Judge John Sirica wants the presidential tapes. So do Senator Sam Irvin and Special Prosecutor Archibald Cox. Meanwhile, at a state reception for Japanese Premier Tanaka, Mr. Nixon bites back. Let others spend their time dealing with the murky, small, unimportant, vicious little things. We have spent our time and will spend our time building a better world. It remains to be seen if the unimportant little things will leave the president alone. Meanwhile, more trouble for the White House. Vice President Spiro Tiagnu faces criminal charges over state corruption. Tom Swigert reports from Baltimore. So far untouched by Watergate, Spiro Agnew has been the president's secret weapon. Would you want Mr. Nixon to resign in favor of President Agnew? But now it looks like the right winger will have to go. And a statement is... Sorry to cut in on that report from Tom Swigert. We have just received a news flash. Syrian and Egyptian forces have crossed into Israeli territory. Hostilities have been joined. Large areas of the Golan Heights have been overrun by Syrian armor, and Egyptian tanks have breached the Barlev line. The damn CIA. They're supposed to warn us about these things. These are massive advances. I know that, Henry. This is really about us and the Russians. It could be a great chance, Mr. President, to broker a long-term peace deal in the Middle East. We have to get arms to the Israelis. I, I want flights out now. Let's look at the situation clearly. We have no treaty obligation to supply arms We have to a moral obligation, which is all the stronger for being unwritten. Granted, but let us use that moral pressure with forethought. With our support, Israel will win the war. But we can't let them blackmail us with the situation and ruin our relationship with the Arabs. We'll, we'll give them arms to force them into accepting a peace settlement. They won't like it. Henry, you'll have to push this through. I, I wish I could, but uh, I've got too much going on with these damn tapes. What about replacing Agnew? Gerald Ford, Henry. He's the next best thing to Agnew. Would, would you want Ford as a president? <laughs> I don't know, sir. But I do know a lot of senators who wouldn't object one bit. Ford is seen as a very decent man. I know the Senate. I know these people. Henry, you concentrate on the war, and I'll handle goddamn Archibald Cox. <laughs> yeah, hey. I have Secretary of State Kissinger for you, sir. Oh, yeah. I need to speak to the president, Al. Where is he? I can't seem to get... I'm sorry, Henry. Things are a bit mixed up here. Things are a bit mixed up in the Middle East as well, Al. I am not used to... Will you get off my back? I have troubles of my own. What troubles can you possibly have in Washington on a Saturday night? How about a massacre? What are you talking about, Haig? The president just told the attorney general to fire the Watergate special prosecutor. He wouldn't do it, so the president fired him and appointed a new man who wouldn't do it either. So he got rid of him and finally found someone who would do it, 
and got to fire Archibald Cox. It's all because of those damned tapes. He won't give them up, Henry. He'll fight. He's cutting himself off from everything, Hal. Like a dying man, concentrating on getting a breath out, a breath in. Mm. Survival, that's all he thinks about. He can't possibly negotiate a peace under those pressures. The country today faces what may be the most serious constitutional crisis in its history. In a new poll, three-quarters of those asked sided with the dismissed special prosecutor. Mr. Nixon's popularity rating is down to an all-time low of 17%. Other stories. In the Middle East, Secretary of State Henry Kissinger brokers a peace agreement between the warring nations. The watchword seems to be, trust Henry. More on that later. Now, we return to the beleaguered president. Is it a case of nowhere to run, nowhere to hide? Hello, Julie, honey. I, I couldn't sleep. It's not easy for you right now. I know. Uh, I know at the center uh, that that they are wrong. That I I have to stay in office for the sake of the nation. We all believe that, Daddy. We believe in you. Mm. It hasn't been easy for you. It's been easy because we love you, and we believe in you, and we don't want to see you being hurt. <laughs> Family, in the end, it all comes down to those you love and those who love you. I haven't seen much of you. I, I haven't been with you. Uh, work, uh, politics, it's always been there. The, the race, running the race, not giving up. Everything I've got, I, I had to work for. I, uh, your, your mom and me, we, we had to work. And they never gave me credit for what I achieved. I, I, I can't understand, honey, how they can... The IRS, they, they, they wouldn't do one thing for me. All that, uh, that stuff about an enemy's list. But for Bobby Kennedy, you remember? They, they audited Grandma just to get at me. She was sick. She was in an old people's home. And they, they goddamn tried to frighten me. I know, I know. And it's not fair. They've never been fair to you. When I took over after Eisenhower had his heart attack, uh, uh, when I talked Khrushchev into a blind corner. You, you remember that, honey? I remember you being on TV. When your mom and me went to Venezuela and they... Uh, Organized communist demonstrations. They, they spat down on us from the airport balcony, and your your mom was soaked. It was worse than a rainstorm. All that saliva, all that uh, that hate for America. We took it, and we stood up for this country. And please, Daddy, and... you must try and get some sleep, some rest. You can't go on under this kind of pressure. They never understood. They they never gave me a proper chance. After the nineteen sixty election. Uh, Jack Kennedy, who only ever had to ask his dad to sign another check any time he needed money. I, I was the poor boy who made good. I, I was America. He was just another goddamn East Coast intellectual. He looked good on TV. He had a, a, a tan. But damn it, honey, he had a whore in a hotel room just minutes before our first TV Daddy, debate. Daddy, stop it. It won't help. Sleep will help. Our love will help. Not being bitter. I'll go up in a while, honey. Don't you worry now. Your old man isn't about to quit this race. You're the bravest man I know. Good night, and God bless. 
Jack Kennedy. What do you fellows think? Uh, you know what I think, Dick. You won it. Which is why Jack Kennedy will be taking the oath of office. It's a damn shame, Dick. It's not a shame. It's a steal, plain and simple. You fought a fine campaign. You don't mind my saying, Dick, the cleanest campaign of your life. Even those damn TV debates. You only lost the first. Not only when they could see the son of a bitch. That's not really the point, is it, Murray? We... We have look, to look. It's plain what you have to do. Kennedy won by a what few hundred votes here, a few thousand there. Mostly My God, in we... Texas and Illinois, LBJ and Boss Daly, two guys wouldn't play a straight hand if they held four aces. Amen. They stole the election from under you, and what they didn't steal, old man Kennedy bought from goddamn Sam Giacana. We don't know that. Well, we know it's too close to call, Dick. So call it. Demand a recount. That's right. Yeah, let's see if LBJ can explain all those dead Mexicans voting down there in Texas. Let's see how the goddamn mafia comes out of this. We can destroy Kennedy just by lifting up the stone. People think that guy is clean. They think he's some kind of goddamn saint. Saint Jack. <laughs> I've worked with Eisenhower for eight years, waiting for this chance, thinking about the moment when I become the first American. There's no bigger race in the world, Murray. No greater prize. And I ran it fair and square, and I'm going to lose it because the other guy cheated. Then demand a recount. Don't let it go without a fight. If I do that, Tom, Murray, don't you see, I'll destroy the race itself. It would take a year and a half with no effective government, no no foreign policy, with, uh, in effect, no functioning president. I can't do that to the country. I won't let that happen. We're going to accept the result. Kennedy wins because that way the country wins. And that's your final word? Pat could use some time with her husband. <laughs> I, I guess the girls would like to see their old man, too. I'll go back to the law. <laughs> see if I uh, can't make a, a bit of that money the press are always accusing me of stealing. <laughs> Retirement? <laughs> no way, Dick. You need to be in the middle of it, out there fighting. No crisis, no Nixon. Yeah. I have General Haig for you, sir. Al, how are things going? Well, it's pretty rough, Mr. President. I didn't want to wake you until we had the complete text, but the Supreme Court decision came down this morning. Yeah, go on. As we feared, sir, the tape transcripts were not enough. The new special prosecutor gets to see and hear everything he wants. That was a unanimous decision of the court. Unanimous. Hmm. I appointed half those guys. No air in it at all, sir. Well, there goes the presidency, Al. We don't know that yet, sir. Today, the House Judiciary Committee opened its debate on the articles of impeachment of President Richard Milhouse Nixon. It is calculated that 90% of the population will be following parts of this debate. The country, it seems, is frozen, with a president unable to act 
and a legislature rendered impotent by the trauma of Watergate. Meanwhile, the nation waits. If the trust of the people is betrayed, then I say the very basis of our government is undermined. My faith in the Constitution is total, is whole, and I am not going to sit here and be an idle spectator to its subversion and destruction. This committee has heard the evidence and examined the documents. The fact that others have in the past subverted the Constitution is no excuse for us to do nothing. I cannot condone what I have heard, and I will not stand still for it. As the House committee debates, the White House promises a major speech from the President. I want to discuss today the greatest problem confronting America, inflation. When you get these CIA people say this will open up the whole Bay of Pigs Cuban invasion plan that JFK had going, don't, don't lie to them to the extent to say no involvement, just uh, say this is a comedy of errors. This uh, is uh, going to open up the whole Bay of Pigs thing up again and these people should call in the FBI and say, don't go any further into this case, period. Okay, we'll do it. You, you call them in. Good deal. Jesus Christ. Come! Al, hmm. you asked me to drop by. I just listened to the June 23rd tape. How does it sound? It's the smoking gun, Henry. There's no doubt in my mind that the president knew about the cover-up and may even have ordered it. Has it been delivered to the prosecutor yet? No. As soon as it is, it'll be leaked by someone in that office. Richard Nixon has no friends there. He has damn few friends anywhere. In destroying himself, he's wrecked the lives of almost all those who came in contact with him. Ehrlichman went down today. He's the 14th to go. Haldeman and seven others are still waiting. Jesus, Henry, what a mess. He must resign, and soon. Al, you must give him the psychological grit to do what is necessary. Sir, your support in the Senate is falling. The whole bunch is deserting me, Al. No stick to it. No no guts for the final stretch. I'm not a quitter. I'm not a good loser. You know what a good loser is, Al? A loser. Just a loser. Coach Newman told me that. Call Senator Goldwater, sir. Talk to him. Listen to him. You call, Al. I'll listen. Operator? Get me Senator Goldwater's office. Look, Julie wrote me a note. Say this, she says, wait. Wait a week or so, and before you make the decision, go through the fire a little, a little longer. She says, millions support you. She says, I love you. Whatever you do, I will support. I, I'm very proud of you. Have you told them about the June 23rd tape, sir? Old water. Yeah, General Haig. Sir, I'm calling to see how the president's support is holding up in the Senate. <laughs> Hardly a dozen. Al, Dick Nixon has lied to me and to the country for the last time. For all I know, he's lied to his goddamn family, too. We're sick to death of it all. 
Nixon should get his ass out of the White House today. Al, tell him I intend to play the role of the president, right up to the hilt, right up to the end. Uh, Senator... I heard, uh, Al, and he's right, because all he can do now is act the president just like he acted a nice guy all those years, rather than being any damn thing at all. I'm sorry, Al. Tell him I'm sorry, too. I screwed up real good, didn't I? You know, Al, you soldiers have the the best way of dealing with a situation like this. You just leave a man alone in a room with a loaded pistol. I don't have a pistol. You have to go on, sir. Just a while longer. Maybe I could... I have to face this fair and square. Even though my family supports me, I've lost my support in the Senate and the House, and therefore I can no longer function as president. The only honorable thing to do for the sake of the nation is to resign. If you do resign, you'll be able to take your papers, your records, your tapes with you. All of it will just stop. be there anymore. It'll just... <laughs> they won't have Nixon to kick around anymore. Sir? I, uh, I once, uh, <clears throat> after Kennedy took the 1960 election... You stood for governor of California. <laughs> yes, I know, sir. And lost that, too. <laughs> and I remember the press that... The television. The television, the way they the way never give me the benefit of any goddamn doubt. Nixon's attempt upon the governorship of California, an arrogant and ill-planned adventure. Coming into the arena with the attitudes of a vice president did not sit well with local reporters. When the candidate issued a background statement, local scribe Dick Burkholz told him, Out here, Nixon, candidates say it on the record or not at all. Will you turn that off, Bob? Are you going down to concede and talk to the press? Damn it, Bob, I'm not going to do that. We lost because of the Cuban Missile Crisis. No Republican could win against a national emergency. We lost with honor. And I'm not going to go down there and face the slurs. I've got to see Pat. I need some time. You look washed out, Dick. Losing California after losing the presidency is just a mosquito bite, that's all. It still hurts you, doesn't it? It hurts me. All the things you have to put up with, and... I I can't even win for you. I never wanted you to win for me. I wanted you for me. I wanted some time together, Dick. You remember you told me about looking after your old man when he was sick and then looking after your brothers? I, I guess you're still doing that, looking after me and the girls before looking after yourself. There's a... There's a lot of my mom and you, buddy. Dick, you don't have to be anything for me except what you are. I said once you'd have to love me a lot, but somewhere, God knows where, you don't believe your love is good enough. You pretend to be all those things you can't be until maybe you don't even know what you are anymore. We'll have some time now. We'll find each other again, buddy. I promise you. I've I've had enough of politics, of the way the press change things and distort everything I say, okay? I could have won if they'd given me half Dick, a chance. that's enough. I don't want to know that anymore. I don't want to hear it. Uh, sorry to disturb you, <clears throat> sir, Mrs. Nixon. What is it, Bob? 
Ted Klein just went down. They're all baying at him. Where's Nixon? Is he frightened to face the press? Oh, Dick, please. As I leave the press, all I can say is this. For, for 16 years, ever since the Hiss case, you've had a lot of fun. You've uh, had the opportunity to attack me, and I, I think I've given as good as I've taken. Well, one last thing. I leave you, gentlemen, now, and you will write it, you will interpret it. But as I leave you, I, I want you to know, just think how much you're going to be missing. You won't have Nixon to kick around anymore. Because, gentlemen, this is my last press conference. Good night. Al, I, I want you to inform the various cabinet members. Yes, sir. There must be an orderly transfer of power as President-elect Ford takes office. I, I want to make it clear that I am not leaving because I have been scared by the, the threat of prosecution. I'm, I'm not leaving because things are tough. How, how can you support a, a quitter? I, I never quit. Never. Not once in my whole life. That's what none of you have understood. None of you. Nixon does not quit. I will prepare the document of resignation, sir. Thank you, Al. They said Dick Nixon was finished. They were wrong. After eight years in the political wilderness, he has defeated Hubert Humphrey and achieved the greatest prize in American political life. They said Dick Nixon had quit. They were wrong. My watchwords for this presidency will reflect a slogan I saw carried by a young supporter. It said, bring us together. Bring us together. Lord, help me learn. From all these things, help me learn. Here is the letter, sir. Al? It is addressed to Secretary Kissinger. It says... Yeah, thank you, Al. I, I know what it says. Three deep breaths. One, two, three... Ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States and Mrs. Nixon. Dick, not in front of the cameras. You can't have it televised. That's the way it has to be. American Faith was written by Mike Walker. Richard Nixon was played by Colin Stinton. I welcome the chance to talk to you all, the White House staffers who have worked so hard for me, and who I have let down so badly. This is a spontaneous event, even though I, I know the press will call it otherwise. We don't mind. I, uh, I am proud of my cabinet, and sure, we've, we've done things wrong, but the top man always takes responsibility, and I have never ducked it. Young Richard Nixon was played by Alan Marriott, Hannah Nixon by Kate Harper, Pat Nixon by Tara Hugo. Frank Nixon and Senator Baker by William Roberts, Harold Nixon and John Dean by John Sherrion, 
Julie Nixon and the Second Reporter by Laura Brook. I, uh, today I remember my old man. I think they would have called him a sort of a, a sort of little man, a common man. But he was a great man because he did his job and every job counts up to the hilt. Nobody will ever write a book, probably, about my mother. Well, I guess all of you would say this about your mother. My mother was a saint. And I think of her, two boys dying of tuberculosis. Yes, she will have no books written about her. She was a saint. Bob Haldeman was played by William Hutkins, Al Haig by Garrick Hagen, Tom Dewey by Bob Sherman, Whitaker Chambers and Henry Kissinger, Norman Chancer, Henry Peterson, Stephen Crossley, Alexander Butterfield and Alger Hiss, William DeFries, Gordon Liddy and Murray Chotner, Morgan Deere, Barry Goldwater and Herman Perry, Ed Bishop. The first reporter was Nathan Osgood, the first newscaster, Nicholas Kolikos, and the second newscaster, Don Fellows. Other roles were played by members of the company. The music was played by Neil Brand. <clears throat> we, we think sometimes that when things don't go the right way, when someone dear to us dies, when we suffer a defeat, that all is ended. Not true. It is only beginning, always. Only if you have been in the deepest valley can you know how magnificent it is to be on the highest mountain. Mike Walker's American Faith, Richard Milhouse Nixon's Road to Watergate, was directed by Ned Shire. Mr. Nixon has shaken hands and had some quiet words with President-elect Gerald Ford. He is now standing in front of Marine One, waving to the crowds. His arm obscures his face a moment as he turns and enters the helicopter. The door closes behind him. We saw the mountains and the wildflowers in the hills. And there was snow up on the peaks. We got to see the snow. It's so sad. So sad. Thank you for listening, and don't forget to join us tomorrow for yet another amazing story.